Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Headlines with me, David Marley. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by our health correspondent, Sean Linton, who is going to talk to us about an incredible series of stories that he's broken this week. Derek McMinn is a world-renowned surgeon who pioneered a new way of conducting hip surgery. His technique was most famously used by doctors to resurrect Andy Murray's tennis career. But according to an internal report from the private hospital where McMinn worked, seen by The Independent, he collected and stored body parts from thousands of patients that he personally operated on over a period of 25 years. He did this, according to the investigation by BMI Healthcare, without written consent from patients and without a license to store body parts. The case has now been referred to the police by the Human Tissue Authority. The report said that nurses and doctors from Edgbaston Hospital were apparently aware of what was happening and that some even helped him to put bones in special pots to be collected by McMinn's staff. One insider claimed McMinn's behaviour had been covered up because of the amount of money he generated for the hospital. In a second part to the story, Sean was passed another internal review commissioned into McMinn. This one found that he used to have two patients sedated at once so that he could swap between operating theatres effectively carrying out two surgeries at the same time. This was described in the report as going against accepted best practice and putting income before patient safety. The stories, as well as being shocking in their own right, open up many questions about the regulation of private hospitals and a culture of secrecy that meant the full extent of McMinn's alleged actions were not reported to official watchdogs until the independents started making inquiries. Former Health Secretary and current Chair of the Commons Health Select Committee, Jeremy Hunt, has called for an immediate inquiry to get to the bottom of the case. I should add that when we approached McMinn, he declined to comment for the stories. Sean, uh, welcome to the podcast. You've obviously been incredibly busy over the last few days putting together this incredible series of stories. Um, I've given a bit of a more lengthy introduction there than I would usually do because there's so much ground that you've that you've reported. But I, even so, I've only just given a brief taste of what we've what we've reported. Could you just give us a bit more detail, starting with um, his actions in collecting these body parts, what he was doing, and and why? Yeah, well, uh, thanks, David. It's uh, good to be back on the podcast. And um, yes, this is a a very concerning story, I think, and uh, we'll get on to later the sort of wider ramifications, perhaps. But in relation to um, what Derek McMinn was doing, it appears that um, the staff in the actual surgery theatres working alongside him were fully complicit in what was going on. They knew uh, what he was doing and and uh, and were part of it, as you've described. And um, this has actually only just come to light in the last sort of 12 months, really. So in March 2019, there was a, a routine audit carried out by pathology staff at the BMI Healthcare Edgbaston Hospital. And um, what this found was 20 pots of 
tissue and bones labeled with patient details that were in a storage area and obviously led to some questions being asked and this resulted in the uh, executive director of the Edgebaston Hospital writing to Derek Mitmin and effectively saying to him that look we don't have a license for the human tissue authority to do this so in future you need to take these pots away on the day of surgery instead of leaving them for several months um now that instantly should have raised alarm bells both for the hospital uh, and for the managers there because um you know they were effectively allowing him to continue with something that they knew shouldn't be going on and they only actually acted to stop this when the care quality mission care quality commission sorry came in and inspected the hospital and had a look at the file uh, on Derek Mitmin and they saw this letter from the executive director uh, which exposed it and that's what started a whole snowball effect of an investigation so Mitmin was suspended in August 2019 when he admitted to the hospital director that he'd been doing this for 25 years only with verbal consent and without a license now, and as you said this is now under investigation uh, by the police but the 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 law is quite clear that if um, a doctor is going to retain tissue in this way he must have consent for that and especially uh, consent from from the living and mr mcmin did not have any permission to do research he had no license etc and we still really don't know the full extent of this collection we know that he admitted keeping some of this at his um, home in uh, the countryside in worcestershire um, but for what purpose we still aren't really clear he, he claims research but um, until we actually get to the bottom of this nobody actually knows and he refused to cooperate with the hospital so um, there are loads of questions still outstanding over uh, the scale of the collection which the investigation found could have number as high as 5224 samples from patients uh, some of whom may have included children he also took alongside these x-rays patient notes and other confidential documents that uh, i was told effectively was akin to a police database of information um, and so I, I believe you know we've been contacted by many patients i've spoken to lots of them in the last few days none of whom have said they recall any conversation about um, their body parts and bones being collected um, nor did they give consent and the reaction of some of the patients varies really some some couldn't care less but others um, are very angry and, and upset uh, by by what they see as a a violation really of uh, of the doctor and surgeon against them so you you mentioned the the number there more than 5000 so it's this i mean it, it's it, it's an unusual thing to be for any surgeon to do arguably to be to take home um a, a sample of bone that they've operated on mm. but in this case the hospital's report says more than he's done it with more than 5000 um parts he's got 5,000 separate bits of uh, hip bone from different operations that he's done. Yeah. Um, which is an incredible scale. So it's not just kind of a one-off strange occurrence. This is a pattern of behavior, obviously, over a long period of time. It's in, in, I, I would describe it as in it's industrial scale, really. I mean, it, these pots are, you know, would need to be stored, collected somewhere. Um, you know, they, they will take up significant amount of space. This was uh, intentional, deliberate, and thought through, uh, would be my my view. So the hospital becomes aware that there's something up in 
in March of last year when, as you say, this routine audit finds these 20 pots of bones. Um, but it's not until October, so it takes some months for them to carry out their own review, which then concludes that actually, as you say, this is a, on, a, on a much, much wider scale. What, why the delay in, in finding out what was happening? Well, there was. Um, the, it wasn't until August that he was suspended, and and it wasn't until August that the 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 hospital took action and in, in saying to him, "You've got to stop." And as I said earlier, that only happened after the CQC raises the the issue, um, and the investigation obviously takes a bit of time. And uh, they they started it uh, and finished it in October, and uh, and I think it was at that point really that the um, the it dawned on the hospital the scale of this i mean that report makes clear that he uh, may have he did that he did take body parts from patients uh, not only at the edgebaston hospital but also at the nearby uh, little aston hospital that's run by spire healthcare and also uh, nhs patients would have been affected as well he did do operations on nhs patients and i think what the um, concerns are about this is that you know all of this went on um, they discovered this in October and then they didn't do anything with it. It seems that uh, the CQC was kept in the dark about the full scale of this. They were under the impression this related to 20 pots. They had no idea uh, this had been going on uh, for so long, nor did the, the General Medical Council. And in fact, they only received the report from BMI Healthcare after the Independent had started asking questions so i think that raises very serious questions for bmi healthcare and its uh, management and uh, their openness and transparency and of course we should all keep in mind that the patients have also had absolutely no communication about this They're, despite the report recommending that the hospital consider contacting patients and alerting them to this there has been none of that and in fact as awful as it is many patients discovered this for the first time reading the independent which you know just uh, cannot be uh, cannot be acceptable so just just for obviously you're steeped in all of this um stuff but just for for listeners what what sh- what do the cqc do and what do the, what does the general medical council do and why should they be involved at that much earlier stage as you said they didn't become involved until you started putting calls in about this story it was only then that they were informed of the full extent of what happened so what should have happened what should they have been doing well, clearly, I, th- I think the the reason this matters is not only is it obviously a, a breach of uh, consent and and professional uh, behaviour by Derek McMinn and those around him, um, it also raises questions around well, if he's doing this without permission, what else is he doing without permission? What else is going on in that hospital, and what else is being covered up, uh, etc.? So, you know, it, it's it's not just solely about th- the issue of the bones. It, it raises much wider questions and. The, the Care Quality Commission is responsible for regulating hospitals and making sure that they provide a safe, high-quality care for patients. And you know, the, the, there's suggestions emerging that there were safety concerns about Mr. McMinn's surgical practice. And you know, the CQC would needs to be cited on all of these things. And the law states quite clearly around duty of candor, for example, that where there are uh, issues relating to patient harm and incidents like 
like this, they should be informed. And the CQC has recently prosecuted a hospital for for not doing that um, after a mistake. So, uh, you know, the regulator does have very strong powers, and um, to keep them in the dark suggests an attempt to avoid the kind of reputational damage and potential. Um, sort of scrutiny that uh, this private hospital would have wanted to avoid. And uh, we did learn through our investigation that Mr. McMinn was doing effectively uh, almost half of all the hip surgery uh, in this hospital for o- over a three-year period before uh, March tw- 2019. So as our source told us uh, in the story, he was the goose that laid the golden egg. He brought in a lot of income to the hospital and sadly we've seen in other examples in recent years where powerful consultants in the private sector aren't challenged by their hospitals and by the staff around them and uh, it it creates an environment i think which leads to uh, potential bad behavior Uh, and we've seen that before and i i believe that we are going to see uh, this with mr mcminn in the fullness of time as things emerge and it's not only the um, CQC that wasn't informed by the hospital. Um, the General Medical Council, which is the, the register of, of all doctors who, who are licensed to work in the UK, if I'm describing that in the right way, um, so they also weren't yeah, fully informed. Is that right? Yeah, so, so they, were, um, they told me that they had asked BMI Healthcare for the investigation reports um, this week. And obviously, bear in mind, these reports were completed um back in october or certainly the the main investigation that report that we've seen so it does beg the question why wasn't this shared with the general medical council um the gmc have a very bizarre policy and that they they don't like to confirm that they are investigating doctors um but we do know that they are investigating Derek Mitmin, but he remains licensed to practice without any restrictions on his license. And um, the GMC do have the ability to put in place restrictions if they're concerned during an investigation. I think they're probably going to have to answer some questions about that in in, uh, the coming days and weeks. But um, I think, again, if you've got a surgeon behaving like this, um, it raises questions about their professional conduct and that needs to be communicated to the regulator as soon as possible Um, not necessarily because this particular issue is a patient safety issue but that it may lead into what else is he doing what else is going on if he's prepared to do this and you know that's a question for the regulators to 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 ask and, and answer and without bmi healthcare being transparent and open from the very beginning that it delays the whole process and you know, I, I would say this, wouldn't I? But I believe the reason um, I was contacted by staff at the company is because they were concerned this was being covered up and that it wasn't being um, revealed and that the patients knew nothing about it. I mean, you know, to think there are thousands of patients from all over the world who don't know that their pieces of their bones are sitting on a shelf somewhere in, in Worcestershire is... Uh, uh, it's just not something that um, you know should be hidden from people, and I don't think it would have come out without our whistleblower, and that's that just can't be a situation uh, that anybody could should be happy with. The initial uh, inquiry into the collection of the bo- of the body parts should have raised other questions about his his kind of clinical practice or what other things he may have been doing, which is indeed what what did happen, isn't it? Because this other report was then also commissioned um, into. Um, his surgical practice, which found that he would effectively operate on two patients at the same time, have two patients sedated in different operating theatres, 
and go go from from one to the other. Can you tell us a little, a little bit more about that situation? Yes, I mean, in, in fact, for me, I think as a as a health journalist, this is actually even more concerning. Really, what we've uh, uncovered in our second story on Derek Mitmin, um, we published um, you know straight after the first one, but it shows that. Uh, in, in effect, he was engaged in dangerous surgical practices along with two anaesthetists who, um, you know, must have agreed to to do this. And in fact, the report shows that uh, what was happening was that they were beginning the sedation of patients and putting them under anaesthetic a long time before their surgery was due to start. In some cases, uh, they were anaesthetizing patients before Mr. McMinn had even started operating on another patient before them. So, uh, and this may sound, you know, people may mistakenly think, well, it's, all, it's just being put to sleep. There's no real danger. And actually that's not the case. Anesthetic does come with lots of, of dangers and risks. And this report reveals that the anesthetists were sedating the patients to such a degree that their blood pressure fell to dangerous levels and in effect meant that their organs in their body weren't getting enough blood and enough oxygenated blood including their brains and um, the report that was completed in November last year uh, by an expert not associated with um, the, what was going on said that uh, BMI Healthcare should consider reviewing all of these patients all of Mr McMinn's patients for signs of organ damage and brain injury which you know is extremely worrying and I've spoken to uh, lots of other anaesthetic uh, consultants and experts who say that um, this practice was, um, you know, completely out of step with evidence and uh, dangerous and is just not acceptable at all. And the report makes it quite clear that um, the three doctors um, acted in a way which was intentional. And actually, I think the report says that they put income before patient safety and um, the expert concluded that this was, you know, that this, these cases were a serious concern and they should have all been referred to the General Medical Council for uh, investigation. And in some cases, you know, patients were, I think the report describes them being abandoned for an hour and 26 minutes. Um, and Mr. McMillan would begin surgery on one patient, uh, finish sort of half of the operation. They would then be wheeled into the anaesthetic room and kept to sleep. Um, uh, and uh, and the sleep is really the wrong phrase. Really, they kept sedated, and he would then go off and start a surgery on another patient before returning to the first patient. It's just a completely uh, sort of uh, unacceptable way to carry out surgery. And I I believe it. You know, we don't know how many patients may have suffered any harm as a result of this. As uh, what we know is that this report again, like the first one, wasn't shared with the Care Quality Commission until after we started making inquiries they are only just now beginning to review this um, but this second report again recommended that patients be contacted that their review be carried out to see if any of them have come to harm well this was 10 months ago and BMI Healthcare have still not done that um, they told us that they were going to carry out a wider review uh, of patients but obviously um, until that's happened, we don't actually know the, the extent. So I, I actually think this is quite worrying and, and we don't yet know if we're into the the scary territory of a private practice surgeon who may have harmed lots of patients. I mean, that, that's pure speculation, but uh, that has to be a real risk until those patients are reviewed. And, uh, you know, for this to be 
exposed in this way and, and leaked. Uh, it's just it's just not the way the system should work, really. And I think it gives everybody a pause for concern when the NHS is about to spend £10 billion outsourcing more NHS surgery to the private sector, where, you know, it have to be said, the governance and the regulation and management of doctors is less than it is in the NHS. Well, let, let's come on to those to those wider issues, because obviously individually this is concerning the hoarding of the body parts the um surgical practice that is 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 alleged to have put uh, income above patient safety all very concerning about this one individual surgeon but as you as you say there the it kind of highlights a bigger issue and bigger concerns about the regulation of of private hospitals so how concerned should we be about that does it does it paint a does it raise uh, questions that we should be answering about private healthcare more generally? I, I think it definitely does. And uh, listeners may remember the the scandal of Ian Patterson, who is a breast surgeon who carried out unnecessary surgery on a thousand, more than a thousand women, uh, actually not too far away from Edgbaston Hospital at um, the Spire Healthcare Hospital in, in the West Midlands. Now, he was jailed for 20 years over this in an inquiry into that scandal made recommendations in February this year, setting out quite clearly there are very real safety risks in private sector hospitals. And largely that results around the way that doctors are monitored and um, and governed effectively. And uh, it's a little known fact that uh, most uh, doctors in the private sector have what's known as practicing privileges. And this effectively means that they're not employees of the hospital, but they come in and effectively use the hospital's sort of facilities for their private practice, um, which obviously brings in huge amounts of income. And then off they go again. And they're, they're sort of almost self-employed um, practitioners, really, operating within the building. So that comes with very little sort of management uh, and oversight. And there are huge weaknesses in that system. And the government have delayed their response to that inquiry. And I think where I would bring Derek McMinn into this, and you know, I want to be clear, there's no suggestion that he has harmed patients to the degree of Ian Patterson at all. Um, but that's not really the point. The, the issue, I think, is that if a surgeon like Derek McMinn, who was you know, treated like a god in the hospital and able to kind of uh, run his own show, can, can behave in this way, uh, in an unsafe way in terms of the anesthesia and collecting body parts and for years, and no one challenges that, no one speaks up about that, that suggests to me that if there was an Ian Patterson in that hospital alongside Derek Mitman, who was harming patients and, and disfiguring them or doing all sorts of awful things, if Derek Mitman was able to avoid scrutiny, then so would an Ian Patterson. And we have to be getting better at stopping those kinds of situations. We know that they have occurred in the past and we, we must avoid them in the future. And of course, there are tens of thousands of NHS patients about to be funneled into the private sector system. They will be going into these hospitals, assuming wrongly that they will be getting uh, the same sort of regulated, governed system and safety that they get in the NHS. Now, anyone who follows my work at The Independent will know that the, I'm not for a moment going to suggest the NHS is as safe as it could be or is as perfect as it could be. It has its problems too. But there is no doubt that patients from the NHS going into private hospitals will not be fully aware of the sort of freedoms that some of the doctors have there. And, and I think until the government closes some of these loopholes and can provide reassurance to the public, we should all 
pause for thought really on 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 scandals like this from Derry McMinn when they emerge because I think they're a warning sign of other things that we all hope don't happen but have in the past. Well, thank you, Sean. That is a, is an incredible story. Um, I would encourage everyone to read the full versions um, on the Independence website. And I know that you're going to be continuing to look at uh, this particular case and the kind of wider issues that it that it raises over the coming weeks. Um, just to uh, reiterate, when we approached uh, Mr. McMinn, he declined to comment. Um, Circle Health Group, which took over BMI Healthcare in June this year, um, told us that the hospital leadership has changed since the investigation and delays in passing on the internal report were so that a complex and an extensive series of further investigations could take place. A spokesperson said the group would like to apologise for this surgeon's completely unacceptable and distressing actions in previous years, adding, we will leave no stone unturned in investigating these historic issues. They have all been reported to the appropriate authorities and we will cooperate closely with regulators to resolve them. Just to um, bring you up to date with what the situation is at the hospital now. Um, Thank you again, Sean. Um, Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed it, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you listen. If you have suggestions for things you'd like us to discuss, do please get in touch at behindtheheadlines at independent.co.uk. You can read more from Sean and from all of our correspondents on our website, independent.co.uk, and in our downloadable daily edition app. If you would like to support our journalism by contributing or subscribing, details are available on the website. Thank you so much again for listening, and please join us again next time.